Hey, it's Friday. Tonight at 5 o'clock at Mountain View Baptist Church, we're going to have our final car clinic for our Mountaineers 500, which will be tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And we'll have our Pinewood Derby Mountaineers 500 race tomorrow for the Mountaineers ministry. Everybody at church is invited tomorrow at 11. We'll have lunch, a good time to encourage the young people racing their cars. Adults are more than welcome to race their cars as well for bragging rights. Young people and Mountaineers, K through 12th grade, will be racing for a trophy. And tonight will be an opportunity, Friday tonight at 5 o'clock in the Fellowship Building, to get your cars ready. If you might not have the tools at home to turn that little block of wood into a car, come on out. We'll get that in ship shape for you. We also have paint if you like to decorate. We'll have first, second, and third place fastest tomorrow. We don't have most creative, but we'll be able to tell. So you can have bragging rights for that tomorrow, and that'll be a great time. Today, we are in Psalms chapter number 7. Psalm 7. There are 17 verses in Psalms 7. We're going to look at the first eight verses here today. Now, I'm going to read you these first eight verses, but I also want to read to you the heading, first of all, because the heading in the book of Psalms always gives us some insight into what's going on, how that psalm is to be sung, because remember, each psalm was meant to be sung music to the Lord. And here's the heading of Psalm 7. It says, Shigeon of David, which he sang unto the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. Shigeon means it was to be sung with intense emotion. Which he sang unto the Lord means that it was just between David and God. So it's one man's, one man's earnest, passionate prayer straight to God. And then the rest of the heading says, concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. So because of what Cush the Benjamite was saying, David, really in an exasperated, passionate, earnest state, when you read his prayer here, goes to God, really, I mean, demanding, if I can say it, that God do something about Cush the Benjamite's words. Now, in order to really understand that, you, of course, would say, okay, who is Cush the Benjamite? And you would want to go back to 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, where we really find out about David. Well, when you go back there and you do even a concordance search of the Bible on Cush, it's a it's a somewhat common name in the Bible, but Cush the Benjamite, 1st, 2nd Samuel, no mention. We don't know anything about him. Now, Benjamite tells us that he was a relation of Saul. And so that tells us that it was probably during the time when people were against David and were hunting David from cave to cave, and Saul was the king, and Saul was trying to kill David. I think of a couple of times, Psalm, uh, first, excuse me, 1 Samuel 26, 27, 28, there was a time when Saul happened to be by himself alone, uh, left his army to do his business, and he went up into a cave where David and his mighty men happened to be hiding. And it was a big cave, and David and his men were hiding in the dark, and Saul went up there to take care of business, and David Uh, heard from his mighty men, they whispered to him and they said, look, God has delivered Saul into your hands this day. Rise up and kill him. Let us kill him. Let's take care of Saul who is actively trying to kill you. And David said, not so, man, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. Far be it from me. God will put me in the position of king when God's timing is right. I will not hasten God's timing and lift my hand against God's man in the king's position. But what he did do was this. He snuck over, and I think Saul's robe was kind of off to the side at the time, and he cut off a little piece of Saul's robe. 
uh, privately. And this is in Psalm 20, uh, first, excuse me, first Samuel 26, if you want to read it later. And so Saul takes care of everything and he goes down and he's kind of far down uh, away, away now down the mountain, but he's still within earshot. And David emerges from the cave and he says, Hey, Saul, you know what? I was in here and I could have killed you, but look at this piece of your robe. I cut off. I was that close. I could have sliced your throat, ma'am, but I didn't because I am not after you. And people are lying to you, saying, I'm trying to kill you. Uh, who are you trying to kill? He said, I'm a dead dog. I'm a flea. That's what he said there in 1 Samuel 26. And then uh, Saul, that was one time, just but one time, that Saul said, oh, you're right. I, I should quit trying to kill you. But then he just tried to do it again later. But David was saying, man, I don't know why people are telling you this, that I'm trying to kill you. It's a lie. Now, that might have been Cush the Benjamite. Cush the Benjamite might have been one voice of many. If you can imagine Cush the Benjamite is somebody who is lying constantly about David, who has not done at all the things that Cush the Benjamite is saying. So I'm going to read with that in mind, the first eight verses. Oh Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Lest he, we're talking about Cush here, lest he tear my soul like a lion, rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. Oh Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I've delivered him that without cause is mine enemy. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth and lay mine honor in the dust, Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thine anger. Lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies and awake for me to do the judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about. For their sakes, therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is in me. Do you have a Cush? <laughs> Do you have a Cush, the Benjamite? Is there somebody in your life that is slandering you? That's saying things that aren't true. Slandering things, slandering you, saying things about you and just doing you harm for no reason. Someone who is frustrating you. Someone who's a burden to you for no reason that you can figure out. Somebody who lies about you. Now, everybody has had a Cush, has a Cush, or is going to have a Cush. Cush the Benjamite. Maybe you've had lots of them at one time. Uh, when you read this psalm, you can just imagine David as, as frustrated, exasperated, maybe standing outside, waving his arms to God, exasperated, maybe with tears down his dusty face. He's expressive as he sings this song. It's a sad song, but it's a loud song. David is singing it like he means it. And you know, that's, you got to do that. You always got to sing like you mean it. Mark sang last Sunday in our church and he sang Hallelujah Square. And I believe he meant it. He's, he knew that he's going to see all his friends in Hallelujah Square. I could tell it'll be a wonderful time when he meets up with them over there. Uh, you know, he were going to sing and praise Jesus, all his glory to share. There'll not be one crippled in Hallelujah Square. I like that. I like people who really sing it like they mean it. You know, there's, there's a few things that bother me. One thing is when a man gets, if I can just get this off my chest. Now, this is not exactly in the Bible, but I'm sure if I worked hard enough, I could find a verse to fit it. Okay. Uh, but, I, you know, a man gets up and he says, okay, and this does not happen in our church, okay? So I'm not talking about anybody in our church, but maybe it's happened somewhere, another time, another place. You might've heard it. And somebody gets up and says, you pray for me as I sing. And then he says, 
Oh, Lord, my God. And you think, man, where'd your voice go? What what happened, bro? I can't hear you. Sing like a man. Sing like you mean it, you know? And uh, I appreciate all the men in our church. They sing like a man. And that's what David was doing. He was overwhelmed with intense emotion and he sang like it. He says, oh, Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. And there was that urgency in those first couple verses. Can I tell you, when Cush the Benjamite comes after you, when there's that Cush in your life, old Mr. Benjamite, that just won't leave you alone, old Miss Benjamite, who just keeps saying these things about you that aren't true, here's a really wise thing to do, everybody, is go to the Lord. That's what David did. That's what David did. David had it within his power more than once to take care of business the way that the flesh would say to take care of business, just give them a piece of his mind and and take their lives. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Don't do what you instinctively feel like you should do. Do what you should do spiritually. And the the very first thing, that is to take it to the Lord. That's what he did. When you're getting crushed by Cush, go to God. If you want relief while retaining your testimony, always go to God first. And what he did in verse three, he, he denied those false accusations. He said, oh Lord, my God, if I've done this, if there be iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, he said, let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. He said, if this is true, what they're saying about me, then I deserve every bit of what's coming to me. And he wasn't claiming to be sinless here. Of course not. We know David, he wasn't sinless, but he was saying he was innocent of what he was being accused of. And maybe you're there right now. Maybe you've been there and David took it to the Lord. And then here's what he said in verse six. Now, this is not the kind of prayer you'd hear in the prayer meeting today, but he said, arise, O Lord, in thine anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of mine enemies and awake for me to the judgment that thou hast commanded. If you were desperate, you'd pray like that. There's, there's some times in our life when we have really gotten desperate enough to get a hold of God and we were not taking no for an answer. He, he was saying, Lord, you've got to listen to me. Verse seven, so shall the congregation of the people compass thee about for their sakes. Therefore, return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that is within me. Can I tell you this? And this will change your life if you can get a hold of this. You determine to do right and leave the consequences up to God. You do right and leave the fallout to the Lord. Where God guides, God provides. If God has spoken in his word and commanded you to do something, you better do it or else. I know of so many times, so many people who said, well, I would obey God's command in this particular area, but it's just at this time and just for me and my situation, I don't think it will work out. That is such a lack of faith on your part. Don't do that. I think of those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. And they were told by the king, hey, you better bow down and worship me whenever you hear all these instruments. And they said, not so king, we're going to do what God said to do. And he said, well, you better do it or I'll throw you in the burning fiery furnace. And he said, listen, king, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. We have determined that we are going to serve the true God and not bow down to false gods. We're not going to give in. We're not going to compromise, even though our situation would seem to call for it. 
we are going to obey God and God's going to take care of us. But then I love what they said after that there in Daniel. He said, but they said, but if not, O king, we're still going to believe God and obey him anyhow. (laughs) But if not, now God's going to take care of us. But if not, it doesn't really matter. And you know the rest of the story. They were thrown into the fiery furnace and the son of God, Jesus Christ incarnate, came in there, pulled him out of the fire. Now, I know that they were glad that they obeyed God and left the fallout to God. There has never been anybody who obeyed God and regretted it. When you obey God, you're like Teflon. You know, only what God allows to happen to you is going to happen to you. That's a good place to be in. I would much rather do right and suffer for it than do wrong and eternally regret it. I know John the Baptist, my man, John the Baptist, you know, that is a man's man. He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He wore camel's hair, girded with a leather girdle about his loins. He was a man who dwelled in the wilderness, man that charged out the wilderness preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. His diet was locust and wild honey. Now I, I like, uh, you know, I like camping. I, I like to be manly, and this is a man's man here, John the Baptist, but praise God, I've never had to eat a cockroach. Somebody said, what's worth, worse than seeing your kid with a cockroach in his hand? Seeing your kid with half a cockroach. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, son, uh, give, me that, give me that there, drop that. You know, I've never been there, but John the Baptist, he was a prophet, and he did right no matter what. He was thrown in prison because he said, Uh, to Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. He had married his brother's wife. Not, not good, not right to do. And eventually Herodias, that lady he'd married was so hateful and wicked that she worked it out to where John the Baptist would be beheaded in prison. And she demanded that John the Baptist's head be brought to her on a platter and a charger, man, oh man. But you know what? I know John the Baptist, when he stood before the Lord, after he was put to death for doing right, I think he might've been able to say like in verse eight of Psalm seven, the Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to mine integrity that is within me. Lord, you know, one day when you stand before the Lord, you are gonna wish that you had done right. You are gonna wish that you hadn't compromised for comfort's sake. Today, are you getting crushed by Cush? <laughs> Are you getting crushed? Listen, can I encourage you? Hang in there. Do right. Do right. And leave the consequences up to God. Be encouraged. Where God guides, God provides. Always, always, always do right, no matter the consequences. God will take care of you. God will bless you. Lord, thank you for this week that we've had. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage the listener. They might be going through something right now. They might be getting slandered by Cush the Benjamite in their life. Lord, I pray that they would handle it wisely, that they would take it right to you. And then, Lord, that they would be judged in their innocence, as in they would continue to do right no matter what. And, Lord, we know that you'll take care of the person who stands firm in their faith for you. We love you, Lord. I pray you'd give us a great weekend great Mountaineers 500 tomorrow and then a great day in church. In Jesus name. Amen.